Welcome back, Rebels. Welcome back. You just um, you just said something really important to me. I, I, I think we've been doing this show for a long time and we've been in our careers for a long time. And it's very easy to forget where we came from and scratching and clawing and eating beans and noodles in the very beginning of our careers. And I never want to I never want to forget that um, because I know so many of our listeners are in that stage of things where where <laughs> you can't see the wood for the trees. You're starting out on a creative career and it feels like you're never, ever going to get paid to do the thing that you love. And everything's so expensive and you've got rent and you've got materials, expenses and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so yes, thank you for, um, reminding me where we came from and, uh, let's have a little chat about some of the things that people can do if they are in that situation, that's gonna, that's gonna sort of help get them through. Yeah. I think like as a creative, it's it's almost like there seems to be like a creative tax in the world of like, if you want to do anything creative, everything to do that is really expensive. I remember like being at uni and it was great seeing all your friends have, everyone gets a student loan, everyone gets the same amount. And then some people get to just go and do whatever they want with it. But then as the creative, you need to go and buy your paints. You need to like, especially I didn't like interior architecture and the amount of money we spent on model making, like you had to buy foam boards, you had to buy like glue guns. Like I had so much stuff that I just had to buy for my course. I even had to buy a big powerful computer in the end to do the 3D stuff that I needed to do to do the course. Whereas like everyone else got to spend that 600 quid or whatever I spent on that at the time on whatever they wanted whereas i had to then find a way to pay for that out of my loan yet i'm seeing young tattoo artists young illustrators wanting to get an ipad pro and realizing they're gonna have to shell out like a grand for it and then and then the apple pencil on top like this shit is not cheap yeah definitely and i think like with that as well i think it's so it's hard isn't it and like it's this world of comparison and like looking at well who's the top person in the field what are they using if i buy the tool that they have i will be as good as them and it doesn't always work like that like the amount of ipads i think are a perfect example because i think the amount of ipads that artists have bought to create stuff with that have been that fucking sat in a drawer and never been used and that's like they're so expensive whereas if you just bought 10 100 sketchbooks which would probably cost the same price and you'd used every page in those sketchbooks i'm sure you would be in a better position now than if you became an ipad artist um and i think And it's one of those things that like we need to remember that like where like how do you afford stuff how do you actually get on that ladder to be able to afford the things that i was like oh oh, it'd be nice to oh yeah i'm just gonna go buy a new ipad to do these things on but that's not everyone in that's not in everyone's budget and i think also as creatives it's very easy to just be like oh cool i want that thing i'm gonna go and spend money on it but remembering that if we're trying to make this a career that we need to kind of treat things like a business as well and not just frivol away our money on everything that we think is a quick good idea sometimes we have to think of like by buying this what is the return on investment on this thing i almost feel like i'm like my parents telling me off now for just like buying stupid shit all the time like the amount of things that i have in the room that i'm sat in now that are just were a massive waste of money that i've just thought that's cool i'm gonna buy it and then i've never used it whereas i think what we need to start doing and what i've done in the past as well is think okay by buying this thing will it earn me more money and or will it make me better like it will it improve things in some way or is it just like a this is a little novelty gimmick that maybe isn't going to last for the long term you invented a new word there you said that you would just frivol away I, I like that don't frivol your money away but um but yeah and and 
it, it made me think of when I was at school and uh, getting bullied by kids because I didn't have the the flashy up-to-date shit that they had. I remember specifically one term we were doing tennis and everyone was coming in with like these Wilson rackets or whatever. My mum was like, I've got a tennis racket. She sent me to school with one of those oh, 1960s tennis rackets, you know, that are like got a big long neck and then like a tiny like circle head on the end of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. And I was quite rightly mocked and bullied um, the living shit out of. It always makes me laugh when you look at like a, a really top person in their field and you look at their feed and someone's saying, what lens did you did you use for this? Or, or what pencils do you use? And like, like if they go and buy those pencils that they're going to be able to create the same quality of work. And it's like, well, I use these pencils now because I can afford to spend 20 quid per colored pencil. But when I first started, I used 99p for 10. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I used, I, I yeah, borrowed yeah, my yeah. sister's crayons, like whatever it was, everyone who you're looking at, unless they came from privilege, they probably started with the dirt worst. So it, it can be really frustrating and there is a certain sort of prestige that goes along. And we talk, we spoke about status before. And I think in your creative career, there is that status of like having the top gear because it, it says to people that you've made it. It says to people that you're at a certain stage in your career, but don't be afraid to be in the beginning stages of your career and beg, steal and borrow and bring out a shitty tennis racket. It's like, if you can get good on a shitty tennis racket, then you're going to be a wicked player. I mean, I, I wish there was a story that like I then became a shit hot <laughs> tennis player. That did not happen, but you get you get the picture. And we quite often think that by spending that money on that expensive thing, it's going to shortcut us to success, which I think is what, well, that's what the people at the top of their game are using. They're using these cameras. They're using these materials to be able to do it. So, so if I just get that, then I'll be there. So Jessica Gabasi, a previous guest on the show, like I've seen on her YouTube channel where she's basically got someone who's never used a camera before with a really sick camera and then she's got like a crappy camera and they both go and shoot stuff and just seeing the difference of the results yeah. is so huge and that's like it's not based on the tool it's based on the person using it and the skill level there so i think like the best thing to do is to to use the tools you have until you get to a level where you you can't push it anymore because i think like especially with like photography it's like i've kind of gone through i, I can think about all of the cameras i've had in order and each one has been a better camera than the last, but I feel like I've always got to a stage where I've literally, I can't do anymore. Like I'm so frustrated with what the ability of this camera I currently have is that I need to be able to get that next one to evolve. Whereas I think a lot of people are in a stage where they've tried a camera, they've used it for a bit, but they've seen someone with this better one and they're creating better images. So it's like, oh, well, if I just get that camera, I'll create images like them. But actually you don't realize with photography, all the kind of amazingness generally comes down to what people do in post with Photoshop, which is the same program that every single person has. Like there's no kind of like, no one, like a really, really rich person does not have a fucking amazing version of Photoshop that you don't have. Like you, the, it's, a, it's a really level playing field there. So I think like the way to think about upgrading, getting the new things by getting the better pencils, getting the better cameras is to, okay, well, with the stuff that I have currently, can is that bringing me an income if that's not then don't upgrade like you just end up in this kind of like money trap of just like you're not gonna by getting the better stuff that's not gonna get you anything because some somewhere out of somewhere there's someone with a biro making insane art and earning a yeah. full living from it yeah 
the important message here is to make sure that you're earning from the tools you have before you upgrade to the next ones. Because I think like especially iPad Pros as an example, go and buy the £300 iPad that's got a pencil on it. If you can start to earn money from that, then maybe you can invest in that next level up. But until then, get the cheaper option and wait till the skill level gets up before you upgrade. Yeah, and and then I mean that would relate to to charging more, which I think is something that that most of our listeners aren't charging enough for for their stuff, because if you're only constantly charging enough that like okay I'm going to be able to survive this month, I'm going to be able to get rent, then you're not going to be able to then invest in back into yourself, back into your business, which is your business of creativity. So putting that extra bit on an invoice and knowing okay. Once I get that extra chunk from my next five clients, that's the iPad paid for. And I'm so negative on on things like Klarna and stuff like that, that because we are trained in this society that everything, you can have it tomorrow. And don't worry about paying for it. That's something you have to worry about later. And that's how people fall into a, a lot of traps and a lot of debt. So it's just, yeah, being, again, comes down to patience. Um, make the make the best with what you've got. And, and I mean, there's so many ways that you can do that. Can like... Is there someone who's who you know who's got more disposable income than you that has something lying around that they're not using that they'd let you use? I mean, put it out on Twitter. Like, does anyone have a XYZ that I could borrow that I could use for a bit? Um, is there is there are there trades that you can do? Could you swap some of your artwork for like you've got to think we when we did a, a talk at the Apple store, they paid us in iPads. Um, I mean do you know what I mean it's like so can you reach yeah, out yeah, to yeah. like um so specifically what we did is we spoke at today at apple there is today at apple in every city so reach out to your local apple store if you think you have an an interesting enough workshop or talk that you could give at an apple store reach out to them you'll get paid in an ipad there's there's ways around these things and that goes back to like the story that we've told before in the show just about when we were first getting started and you really really wanted to go to london tattoo convention but we didn't have any money to do that. So you just approached them and said, oh, we're a graffiti company. We could paint some art live at this event. Do you want us to do that for you? They said, yes. So we just did that in exchange for tickets. And it's like, you can find a way to get in there. Like use the skills that you have to get into the places or to get the things that you want. Yeah, I don't pay for anything anymore because, I, I, because I'm so used to that hustle that we had when we first started. Like I, I begrudge it. I resent paying for shit. So... I, if there's something that I want to do or a place that I want to go, I'm always looking for like, how can I get someone else to pay for it? Because there's that those people are out there and do exist and, and will trade with you. And I think as well, like something that I've done before is just rent something. Like you can, like if, for example, like cameras, like if you, you're like, okay, well, it's going to cost me two grand to get this new camera. It's going to cost me 1800 pounds to get this new lens. Is that actually going to make you better? Maybe try and rent it first. Like there's a company called like Fat Llama, which do like rentals on loads of different things. And they're so cheap. Like if you want to like see if it's possible, maybe just rent it. Or even like if you're like make, or even like I know what we've done before. Like for example, scissor lifts that we would use on kind of big mural jobs. We don't own a scissor lift or we have a small thing that's kind of like one for smaller walls, but we just hire them when we need them and we charge the clients for them. And this is another thing you can start to do as well. Like if you need this new tool to do this job and it's a big enough budget project, just fund, get add that element into the cost of it. So it's like, well, to do this job, I'm going to need this item. 
this is going to cost X amount. Like if you've got a commission, you're like, okay, well, actually I need this specific kind of paint for this. Like we've done things before that have had UV paint that was really expensive, but we just charge that to the client because to make that a reality, that's what we had to charge for it. And I think you can slowly build up things over time as well by using the client's budget to help fund the things that you want just by adding it on. And this comes back to what you're saying before about people not charging enough. If you want something, get your client to pay for it because they don't know what the cost of everything is and what you currently own there. So if you just say, well, to make this happen, it's going to cost this amount. And that includes the purchase of something that you've wanted to be able to go and create with, then it's win-win. Yeah. And, and if it's something new that you want to use, just sell it to them. Like if you're, if you're making a video for someone, you're like, oh, I think, I think drone footage would be fantastic for this. And the client goes, yeah, yeah, sounds. And you get them really excited about it. And you're like, oh, we could pan out from here and we'll have this hovering shot here. Get them excited about it and go, okay, well, so that's what you want. Yeah. And they'll go, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Cause they're really excited. They're bought in. Then you go, okay, cool. That'll be this much. And then you've, you've costed for the drone and then you get to play with the drone. Like, like get, getting other people to pay for your things is the best. The dropping the drone footage is a perfect example because if you say to someone, okay, I want drone, if you want drone footage, that's going to cost you. And then look at how much a drone costs. Say if that's 900 pounds, but that's going to cost you 900 pounds. So you kind of take your time and effort out of that equation. Mm -hmm. You end up working for free in that scenario in exchange for this product that you're going to get or this thing, this tool that you want. And I think that's quite a nice way to be able to balance it because then when it's like, you're not like, well, the drone footage is going to cost you £1,700 because that's going to be £900 for the drone and £800 for me. Just charge it for the drone because then at the end of the day, you come out with something that's probably more than you would have had before. But it's kind of like you're getting it for free. You're just exchanging your time for that thing. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you look at this week's guest, Grace, her, her work, I mean, I don't know, maybe she makes it with an iPad Pro, but it could be made with crayons and biros and and just anything you have lying around. And yeah. Adam J.K., who we've had on the show, like like his his handwriting, his whole career is based off of him just doing writing in pencil. We've we've interviewed so many amazing creatives who've who've just made really compelling work just from the basics. And when you look at those type of creators, it comes down to it's the ideas. It's not really. It's not even the execution. There's a there's definitely an, an aesthetic there. But it's it's the ideas and the creativity that is that we talk about shareable content all the time. It's like it's creating that stuff that resonates with people. So they want to put it on their feed. And I think that's I mean, that's how Grace has grown her career is through making shareable images that are totally relatable to people. So they share them. Yeah. And I think we need to remember as well the journey that people have taken to get there. Like Grace has been making art for a really, really long time. Like she's been on Instagram for over like since it started. She was on Tumblr before that. And like going to the iPad Pro thing, they didn't even exist when she started. Yeah. And I think like most creators that we follow, but we admire, like if you look at the tools that they started with when they started, like every person we've spoke to who's at that level would say you don't need those things to get there because that's not what they started with. And I think we need to emulate the path of the people who've had success more because they've gone and done it and proven it. So let's look at the start with the simple things and then level up from there. Boom. Let's get into it. Hi, Grace. Hi. Welcome to the show. How's it going out there? Pretty good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, so I feel like creatives who make work about their lives and about the things that go wrong and 
all of that sort of stuff, I feel like they have it the hardest because it's like, it's almost like your work is a constant reminder of the things that you're anxious about. Yeah, that is a, that is a great way to put it. Sometimes I really do wonder why I've uh, chosen this like specific type of work to make. Yeah, it's kind of your niche, isn't it? Of like uncovering the truths and the things that the things that I guess a lot of people think that they're worried about and no one else can relate and no one else would be worried about. But then when I see one of your posts and it's got 5,000 likes on it, you're like, okay, this is universal and affects a bunch of people. Even though sometimes I'm, you know, I'm like, all right, I got to sit down and go through my issues, my trauma today. Uh, I do really think that it's, it's beautiful to to watch how the the life that some of these pieces take being on on social media on instagram like it's it's not the purest form maybe of connection i think that that stuff is complicated these days it does feel purposeful i think for the most part it almost seems like everyone's struggling in some way and i almost feel like creating work like yours that kind of helps people even if it's just a little bit or just even if it's like it's not going to help them in terms of making them feel better but just not making them feel alone I feel like can be a really really powerful thing I do think that is like it's just it's such a shame how collectively we really we really do uh convince ourselves that we're the only ones that have ever thought this or are going through it and um you know, really can be embarrassed about thoughts we might have about ourselves or above our about our artwork, right? Like I think that there's there's so many thoughts that I've had in the past that I can look back now and be like, oh, it's just sucks. I spent so many years like yeah, just like hating my art and comparing myself to everyone and all these things when like, oh, if only I could have been channeling that into just creating, right? And like being brave and it's that talking about it which i think really makes a difference because as soon as it's known and people can kind of see it in themselves it's like if someone's got some form of addiction like that the first part is kind of like admitting to the world that you have that addiction and then you can kind of start to combat it so if you do realize that actually all of these things that are bothering me are taking me away from doing the things that i actually love doing and it's like that's so sad that like you could have spent all of that time being creative doing the things that you love that you want to do but these things in our head kind of really get in the way. You know, I think there are some people that are able to kind of like bypass that, you know, and just are confident. But I know for me, I think as a younger artist, it was confusing because I, I, I was confident on the surface. Like I thought that I was kind of confident and only now I can look back and be like, Oh no, I, I was so insecure. Right. But like there's, you almost, And maybe that's useful, right? You like convince you there is some sort of like that, like fake it till you make it thing where you're like, okay, like I, you know, I can do this. Like I do believe in myself until you actually do. I think that there's something to that. When anyone else tells you that your work is great, it's very hard to believe. And you'll put the work out and people will go, this is brilliant. I love this. It's brilliant. Whatever, whatever. I think the confidence starts to come when your peers say like so so artists that you admire I think when you start to get the nod from them it means so much more than just sort of a a general public a general kind of fan but like especially if you're putting work on the internet um that you you can see the the likes metric and really that doesn't mean anything to me compared to 
an artist dropping me a DM and saying, oh, I really like this piece for these reasons. And I think the more that you put your work out in the beginning, you only have that kind of general, the likes and, and those metrics to go on. But as you get deeper into your career and you keep making the work and you just like, even if you suck in the beginning and you keep keep putting it out, you'll still always have that kind of, that lack of confidence. But I feel like it builds as people that are in the same sphere as you come forward and go, I like this, this shit's rad. So I think for me, it's really important that I, I, like I'm always making comments on people's stuff. Like if I see it and I, and like I do genuinely think it's rad, I'm always going to let them know because I know it will mean a lot coming from a fellow artist. I love that point. And that's something that um, I always try to do too. And I only now and kind of recognizing that that's what that is, right? Like to, if you're on Instagram, you're always looking at so much stuff and in your head, you might be like, oh, I love that. I love that. But yeah, it, it is so true to just like, put that out there, even if, you know, sometimes I have to fight the like, oh, you don't want to be too, I, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I'll get self-conscious about that, right? About like leaving comments if people are going to think I'm uh, being genuine or something. But uh, I know it, it feels, it's, you know, it's such little effort to like tell someone that you, you love their this piece or exactly this project that you think it's great. See, that's the whole other layer that's going on there, isn't it? Yeah. Is that like, even then we want to leave the comments, but then, but then we're always so worried about ourselves. Like, oh shit, well, they think that I'm, that I'm being sarcastic or whatever. Like there's all these, like we're questioning even when we're just trying to do a good thing. Like, like humans are screwed, man. <laughs> I know, I know, right? It, yeah, it's like that, you know, it goes back to some sort of like evolutionary thing, right? When we were like Neanderthals, some that, all that stuff, right? The like, uh, if you're going to get kicked out from the tribe for like doing certain things, I think our, our brains and our bodies hold so much of that, um, that like that, that, I mean, that has to be right. I don't know what it is because so many behaviors that we have are just like not adaptive. They don't make sense today and like how we interact. So I think about that so much, like, like why, yeah. Like wh why do we do some of these things that really do not seem helpful? One thing that I do is like just make a little bit more of an effort than most people are willing to do. Because I think like if you want to be like, oh, I like your work, don't just kind of like give them like a little emoji or say like, oh, this works great. Because so many people will do that as just a throwaway thing that doesn't that the person receiving it doesn't really take it to heart too much. But I think if you actually yeah. go and like direct message someone or like give them like a good reason of like why you like this thing, like because I quite often find like I do it on people's birthdays as well. Instead of just like going on Facebook or like just going on someone's feed and just saying happy birthday, I'll always like go to their DMs and just message them privately. Because I'm like, that, I feel like for me receiving that, that's going to mean so much more that you went to more of an effort to like do that. It's almost like if someone gives you a physical card or buys, buys you a present. That just seems like one step further or they've made that bit more of an effort. So I think this is something that we can consider like when we're interacting with people if we do want to kind of try and be like, to try and seem more genuine whether there's any actual more or less genuineness around that just show people by giving that a little bit more effort than most people are willing to do it's so easy to be kind and generous in those ways and i know yeah like we mentioned before i get caught up in the like oh like are they gonna respond like how are they gonna perceive it but i know i'm trying more and more to just like put that put that like yeah that that kindness, that, that, uh, just those, like, I mean, not to just say like positivity, right. Cause I'm not someone that's just like, be positive all the time, but 
I do think that, yeah, when, when something like excites you and you're interested in it, um, exactly. Like you said, it, it feels so good to hear that from other people about your own work. So why not just say that, um, despite like the react, the response you'll get to it, I guess. So, uh, you mentioned earlier, like pieces blowing up that you didn't expect. Are there any that, that come to mind that you can think of that you really didn't expect to get such a massive, uh, pick up on? I just think sometimes it's like the very simple stuff, I, you know, like, which, which make it does make sense, right? Just thinking in terms of, again, how we use social media, right? Like if you can just have that, like really simple illustration like I have this one that's um this illustration of just these clouds right a blue background clouds and it says you don't have to think about all of the stuff all of the time and I you know it's a page from my book and I, I shared it just again right I'm just I'm internally judging myself I'm like okay like you just drew clouds like you know like what's impressive you know like what is interesting about that um, but again, right. To, to just see how many people, uh, yeah, like shared it, whatever. I was like, oh, okay. Like, never mind. Like maybe I should stop doubting myself. I think this is interesting because one thing we've been talking about quite a lot recently on the show is the difference between creating content and creating value. Like the two different things that are there, especially with art. Cause I feel like with art, it can be quite hard to create something for ourselves but then also benefit and bring value to other people in some way and I suppose like what you've done there is even though the drawing was relatively simple it was the value that was providing the people who were receiving it that really mattered there because it's like you could have spent four days painting a really realistic beautiful version of the sky that was so perfectly accurate posted that without the comment but the value to the receiver wouldn't be anywhere near as close. Wanting to create work that is right like truly an expression of myself but yeah how do you not consider how it's going to exist in the world right like maybe in the past i like was making art purely for myself but i these days like i really do want it to yeah have value have a purpose and to like yeah to to do something for someone else mm, and i suppose if but kind of flipping that round, if you do create something authentic to yourself, especially if it's something about the way that you're feeling or something like that, there's a good chance that someone is feeling the exact same thing somewhere else. So by being as authentic as possible to you, you're actually helping someone else as much as possible because it's as truthful to them as it can be. I try to keep in mind that there's going to be times when I'm going to like pour my heart into something, be really vulnerable, share it online and like it's not gonna get that response. And that doesn't invalidate uh, the message behind the work. Like sometimes, right, maybe it's, maybe it isn't that relatable or sometimes maybe it's just, you know, whatever the, you know, it just didn't get picked up and it just didn't move like other stuff, you know, does online. So that's something that I, you know, like, yes, I think that that definitely, I'd like to think that, right, the more popular posts are like, you know, do have that, that, that value. But um, yeah, I think that's something that I know uh, a lot of, you know, artists, maybe more at the beginning of the career when they're trying to build their online platform. I'm sure that can, that can be really 
really hard. And, you know, when I was starting on Instagram, which is what, like 10 years ago now, it was a whole, it was just a different thing. So I, I really, yeah. I think it's a, probably a lot harder now with so many more mm. creators and artists on Instagram to, um, you know, to kind of like to build that and, and, and get your work out there without considering, uh, maybe how it fits in or how it is going to be, how likely it is to be shared. I, th I think that's something that it's, you know, it's, it just is something to consider. One of the things we talk about on this show all the time is making shareable content. And I think that is the, the quickest and easiest way to build a social media following is just, yeah, you're, you basically utilizing other audiences because your work is shareable. It's doing the rounds. It's getting shared by this meme page. Someone's picked it up over here and that that's then driving. It's basically you're they're placing your billboard on their page and then that that's going to get traffic to you. Um, and I think when I, I remember reading a, a Banksy interview years and years ago, and he was, he said something like, I don't know what all the fuss is about. Anyone can make stencils. And that's so true because anyone can make stencils. And, it, and like Banksy has to validate his stuff and say, yeah, this is a Banksy because there's so many people that will do copycats that are so similar because, because, it, because it is just a stencil. But the reason why he's so successful is is the ideas. And, and, it, and then again, to go deeper, it's the presentation of the ideas. And I think you really nailed it there when, when you're saying like, Sometimes you might have a really deep idea that resonates deeply with you and probably would resonate deeply with a load of other people as well, but the presentation wasn't correct that made it shareable content. And it's it's nailing down, how can I say something in a kind of like cute, quick way that, that people are going to get on board with and then they're going to share it all over the world and then it does, it does your job for you? As an artist, I... I don't want to be like so strategic all of the time, right? Like I want there to be just that like creative, I don't know if magic is the right word, right? But like I want there to just be this like natural flow of ideas and creativity. But, you know, when you're sharing work within a system and it's your income, you know, how can you not approach it with some sort of, yeah, like business minded, you know, I think some people are maybe lucky to not have to do that. But so the way I approach it is that I, I know that I can't predict what's going to be shared. Um, because so often I think something's going to do really well and it does shit. And I think something's going to do shit and it does really well. Um, so my kind of tactic for that shareable content is if you just keep making it, some of them are going to hit. And so it's more, so when I say make shareable content, it's like really just keep making content because eventually if you're good, then some stuff is going to hit, it's going to resonate. And, and that's the stuff that's really going to be shared. And that's, I mean, there's a painting, I've told this story before, but there's a painting that I made that literally I was going to paint over. And I phoned my girlfriend and was like, this is going badly. And had I painted over it, I mean, it's had over 10 million views and it's just like the, it's the most viral piece of painting that I've ever done. And I'm still not happy with the painting. I can still see a million flaws in it. And but I'm so glad I put it out there instead of thinking, instead of, instead of agreeing with myself and going, this is bad, you should get rid of it. And I think it's the same with your stuff. It's like, it's like, 
I mean, obviously, you, like you've got a huge social media following, and I'm sure there's there's stuff that you've made that's just like is just hit a nerve, and then. And then you lose track of it after a while because it gets shared by this art page. And if it's a, if it's one of those big ones, then all of the other smaller art pages pick it up. And then I suppose that's, that's the word viral, isn't it? But it just spreads out to all of these different places. And then you start seeing your work in really on really weird accounts that are like <laughs> normally furniture based or do you know what I mean? Just in some random <laughs> thing, they're like, oh, here's something that we really like this week and it's your work. And you're just like, wow, this is madness. Um, but and, and I think when you've got one of those, when you've got a smaller social media account and you're just starting out, it can be so hard when you look at accounts that are in the hundreds of thousands. But like you said, you've been on Instagram for 10 years and your your early work, you were making pieces that if you share them now, they would go viral. But because you were sharing them when you didn't have that kind of base to give it the kickstart. It's no, and it is interesting. Like I do think some of my earlier work I don't think it would because a lot of it didn't have that. I do think I've kind of learned along the way, like what, what works. Um, Cause when I first started on Instagram, I was just posting anything, everything I had, I was not self-conscious at all. You know, I was just like, who cares? Like whatever, you know, I was working like in retail full time, you know, like it was not my, my career. And it felt, it was like so fun and free to be on Instagram. Did the Instagram growth correspond with it becoming your career? Yes. And it happens, it was definitely like a, a, you know, relatively slow shift. I think it just kind of, you know, it took years um, to go. and And I, so I really started on Tumblr. That's, I think, where my work first like went viral and then, you have a very Tumblr handle. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and then brought some of, I brought some of that onto, Inst- like, you know, probably, I probably started, yeah, with maybe like uh, around 10,000 followers kind of when I first was using Instagram. Like I was lucky to kind of bring some of that over and then, right, it just has built over the years. Um, and how did that transition of going from working in retail to working full-time what you do now happen like were you kind of just cutting down your shifts in retail or like what how did that balance I was lucky in that I was so I worked for American Apparel and I was a, a manager at the store so I was lucky that I could kind of you know make my own schedule so yeah for you know, probably almost two years I was working full time there and then, you know, just working basically full time uh, as in, you know, I, I wasn't it definitely wasn't really getting paid well at all for illustration stuff. But back then I was also organizing a lot of art shows, which I think was huge for my career in terms of like, you know, I was right. basically just uh, networking, doing that, you know, like I just had there was this like small DIY gallery space in Brooklyn that let me put on shows there. So I just got all my like internet art friends together and put on these shows. And um, that started going well enough that I, you know, was able to kind of take that leap. And going on that, talking about that network there, how did your relationships with those people change when they went from being internet friends to real life friends? Great. I think it, I think it just, again, was such a like lucky kind of moment where I just happened to, 
have, you know, really naturally um, made all these friends online. And we, a lot of us were just, you know, starting to kind of take our work more seriously and we're excited about, about this. So I think that it really depended on that, right? Like people, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have a budget for the show, right? So I was depending on all these other artists who lived in other cities to like mail their work to New York. And, you know, I kind of put a lot of trust in me, right? That I wasn't going to like make a mess of this. Um, and looking back, I'm like, wow, I'm kind of surprised that people just like thought I could do it. And again, <laughs> right, I was so like, sure, I had many insecurities, but I also was I was so driven and so confident and excited and was also, you know, in my early 20s. So I had like a lot more energy, I think, too, at the time. Um, and yeah, just, you know, I had something to prove and um it was great. I do think it was, I'd like to think it was mutually beneficial, right? For all these, these artist friends that I, that I met in that process. And yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily like close with a lot of them still today, but I do think there was this special time when um, we were all, you know, trying to figure out what type of artists we wanted to be. And you said like the word, you kind of luckily were in the right place and you met all these people, but I feel like you don't luckily make friends like relationships are something that actually take effort and hard work and so like at that point like how often were you talking to these other creators and like how were you growing this network online before it all kind of came to the gallery stuff those initial connections took place on tumblr and i shared a lot of my art on tumblr but i it also was more of a personal blog too so i think that like a lot of it just was more normal to like be vulnerable in a different way. Like I think now I have a lot stronger boundaries with the internet. Like even though I post work that's, you know, about my life, it's not so diaristic in that I'm like, you know, yeah. saying where, like where I am, what I'm doing, who I'm hanging out with. Like I, I've learned that I feel better having, having boundaries with that. Um, like, you know, since I, having followers at, at a certain amount, as having a certain number of followers, that's kind of what feels safer to me these days. But think back then, I just put it all out there. And I think, you know, these other artists were too. So I think there was just this shared vulnerability, this shared, like, just being like artists on the internet and wanting something more, right? Like wanting to wanting to have our art out in the world but knowing that we weren't really gonna at that time weren't going to be able to go the traditional gallery route i i think that's so important there's there's so many creators that i'll have discussions with and and they're sort of like i don't i don't know what to do nothing's working i don't know how to get my career off the ground and when they look at i know there's so many people that they'll look at big accounts and they'll be like how the fuck did you do that like how did that happen and it's like if someone's wondering that about you how did you get over a hundred thousand followers it's like well you've basically just described it there like you were willing to do something different you were willing to to put in the extra energy because i think most people will sit back and go well what's the point in me doing a show that involves those of other artists that doesn't help me in any way and yet that's the what you're you're crediting as like the foundational block that you've built your career on. And there's so many artists at home like wondering what they should do. 
well, like fucking get out there, like network, build, like put together a group show. Like this is a thing that can be done, yet no one will bloody bother to do it. No, you're 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 totally right in saying that, and I think I've luckily, I don't know, I've I've always had the interest and excitement about other artists, like that, you know, like I've always, I've always seen my work in conversation with what everyone else is doing. Like, and I think going back to that, making, creating art that's relatable, you know, it's like, even if my, you know, I have like my illustrations and someone else is taking photographs that maybe they don't look similar, but I just love to be like, okay, they're trying to talk about this and I'm trying to talk about this and, and they're, you know, they're connected. Cause that's the thing. I think a lot of us start making art to be like, I'm different, right? I'm an individual. This is who I am. And yes, that is part of it. Everyone has their unique point of view. But what I've always loved is, you know, noticing the, 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 the threads throughout work that show like how we all as humans are similar. So I think that's always been so interesting to me, like these conversations between art and yeah, like even when I was at, when I was in school, my um, like thesis project when I was a, a senior was I made these zines that were like on themes featuring all these different artists. So it's, it, that has always been so interesting to me because, you know, we don't, we don't create art in a vacuum. Like we're, you know, people in conversation all the time. So I think that that is, yeah, that's definitely important. And I think I'm sure I have brought that with me, you know, even though I don't do that sort of organizing anymore, like it's been years that I've really have shifted on just making my own work. I still think that's there, you know, in terms of paying attention to, yeah, what people are, responding to the type of work my friends are making everything you're describing that it's really making me think about kind of my audience and then thinking about people who do well compared to people who don't and Mm -hmm. I think so much of what you were talking about there was like culture like you understand the culture and I think that is kind of prevalent through your work it's prevalent through everything that you've done there's always been the culture the community that it's a it's bigger than just what it is it's bigger than just the individual piece of art it says so much more than just the piece of art it's like someone might see that from outside the culture who doesn't understand it, take it to mean one thing. But then if you're with a part of that community, you see that and you're like, that's for people like me. And I think that's what people are maybe missing when it comes to creating their art. If they want to turn it into a career, be really successful with it, is making sure that your work represents a culture, represents something bigger than just itself. And I think that's where if we actually start to think about who's consuming our work, who we are, like who our friends are, like what is around us, how can I make this appeal to a group of people rather than just like me? Yeah. And I also think like there's totally a place for that, right? Like I think a lot of people process their stuff through their art and maybe their practice is just to like draw on their sketchbook every day for three hours and it's so cathartic, right? But yeah, I think that that, that, type of art practice does not translate if you want to be a full-time illustrator, right? So I do think, yeah, thinking about culture and how it exists out in the world is is so is so important. Thinking about culture and like a group of people, it's like, what piece of art would where would my art fit in with? And then it's like if if every culture had its own kind of like room that was kind of decorated in the way that that culture 
was dress listen that music everything like which room would that fit in and then start to think about okay well how can i expand my work to fit that room to make sure that i'm part of something it feels a part of something it's not just yeah on yes. its own yes because connection is so important i think about it often as you know like an ecosystem right and i think that i try to make a point in my book there's like a resources page page at the end where i'm like these are not my ideas like i did not think of these things totally on my own. Like I'm, I'm a combination of like my favorite movies from a teen, all the spirituality, self-help books, all the therapy I've done, like the, the conversations I had in critiques at art school, like all those things together create this like ecosystem from which my art comes to be. And I think that that is so important to, you know, to think about, to just like expand, uh, you know, like where, where your art comes from and not just be like, like, yes, it is you, but it's also all this other stuff too. And, and, and own that, right. And not be like, oh, that's like a weakness that my ideas are not a hundred percent original. And I feel like for me, as you're talking about that, I'm like, okay, I'm just picturing like my teenage bedroom and everything that was on the wall, like all the music, like CDs that I had around, like all of those things made who you were at that point. And like even just thinking back to like my room now, like I had a full wall that was just covered in like comic books. I'd kind of gone and got loads and loads of different comic books from the store and kind of plastered the whole thing. So I had a big comic book wall. I had another wall that had like a big South Park mural that I painted. And that all of these things, like now when I'm thinking about them, I would just basically it's what my life is now. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like the evolution of it. But understanding you as a whole, yeah, rather is... Yeah, I think understanding that about yourself is so so important. Yeah, because I think one of the coolest things about being an artist is that you are, you're like creating the world around you. Like you're choosing what everything looks like. You're bringing imagery to life. And uh, yeah, that can't help but be influenced from, yeah, everything you've spent your time absorbing when we're kids we're when we're younger we're putting everything up on the wall because we're still working out who we are and there's one poster that will stay up forever but then there's a few that it's like oh no actually i'm not into that anymore and then that will that will come down and i guess that's our foundation that that now we're like confident enough that i don't have to put all of those posters up in my bedroom because it's like i've worked it out now and also your girlfriend won't let you and also my girlfriend later, later, but, <laughs> and, but like I guess it's identity isn't it and it's working out who we are and I think so much of our so much of our craft and our and what we make is part of our identity they are really they are really inseparable of even if we're not making work like graces that's that's like kind of deeply personal like like your your work is always an extension of yourself and it can't like it can't help but your the the your experience can't help but shape the work that you create in some form it's thinking about the work you're creating like does it reflect you because i think there's a lot of people who will be like oh grace has got 100,000 instagram followers i'm going to copy exactly what grace is doing every day because that's mm. going to get me to what i need to do like your but this person is copying grace and grace's bedroom i'm sure looked very very different when they were kids and they're completely different spaces and I think that's what we need to make sure that we focus on is work that actually represents us rather than represents someone else because they've got successful. And I, you know, I think I used to get 
more frustrated when I would, when I would see those kind of imitations and, and I, I feel a lot less frustrated by it now. Cause I do think that that's, it's not sustainable, right. To do that, to just imitate someone, yeah. I think, but I also think that, you know, younger artists or, or just younger in your career, right. It doesn't matter what age you're at, what age, doesn't matter what age you are. I, I do think, you know, there's something to, to imitate, imitation in terms that it you know i do think it can help you find your way so I, I, when i when i do see that like people will definitely dm me uh illustrators that you know maybe are making work in a similar style to mine and i used to try to like like fight people about like it used to be really bad and um you know everyone has their own journey to, to get someplace and uh i don't i don't own you know, especially as someone who makes a lot of work incorporating like found imagery, right? Like a lot of the yeah. work that I make is already commenting on image. It's it's in, it's using imagery that already exists. So I try to be less, um, you know, try to like be like I don't I don't own any of this, but it's I I I'd like to think that if someone is going to be creating work for a long time, it's not sustainable to just be creating in terms of imitation forever yeah i think that's it isn't it it's the it's the longevity it's the playing the long game it's making sure that if you decide okay well i've got a a fair in a year's time and i need to make loads of money at that fair i would go and look at what's the most popular thing that i know is going to sell on that day and then i'm going to go and sell at that fair and i think some people will spend their careers just doing that just kind of being like what's hot now i'm going to go and copy that put it out and I'm going to go and kind of get some quick wins from it. But then I think if you kind of go 10 years down the line, they've done 10 fairs and they're still in the same position. They're just kind of keeping it going. It's almost like you're just fueling the fire. Whereas I think the better approach to have is to consistently grow over that period of time. And they're probably going to beat you in the first maybe four years. But then you'll get to a point where you'll have overtaken them because you've been authentic and you've kind of continued to grow your craft. You continue to work out who you are more you've found more inspiration you're consistently trying new things you're building yourself up to be a better person that then you hit this kind of tipping point where you just you fly after that and i think it's once you get past that of like because i think this is like as a creative it's hard to be like oh, well i know i could just go and copy this other person and it's going to be easy to be successful and to actually go and put the work in to become better myself is really hard so it's like, oh, I almost want that kind of quick win. I don't want to have to really put in all this work, but it's that kind of long game of it will pay off in the end. And if you keep going and believe in yourself for that long period of time, then you will be successful. You just need to kind of have that long-term mentality for it. I've done that myself with my own work. Like I, I went through a, a hard time a few years ago where I was just kind of recreating my own work that was safe and that I saw that people, you know, like responded to online and shared more. Like I've, you know, I, and maybe sometimes you just have to do as an artist, right? Maybe sometimes you just don't have like the the energy or the confidence to 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 push for that growth. Like I I really do believe in moments of like rest. Um but no, like you explaining that process of like, oh shit, I have totally done that myself, like with, with my own work. And I've, I have, 
pushed through it to a point um, where I, you know, I, I would like to think that I am always kind of just like going for that growth. But I think that that, that it's, it's real. It gets, yeah, it's, it's easy to play it safe. There's a balance because I think as soon as we decide to turn it into a career, then like as a business, we need marketing. And if we know that something has done well before, then I think there's a certain amount of your time can be put into recreating the things that did well because for the marketing, because you need to drive in more people into your ecosystem to be able to help sustain you as a creative. But then there always needs to be that thing that's always pushing you forward. And I think there needs to be that balance of like, if all the business did was market and it never spent any time improving its product, then another company is going to come along and make a better product and everyone's going to go and use that instead. Like you look at like Nokia as an example, like no one uses a Nokia phone now because Apple came along with a better phone and everyone moves straight onto that. And I think people are quite fickle when it comes to like people they follow on the internet and what's trendy and they move around so quickly. So I think there always needs to be the element of, okay, a small amount of what we do needs to be driving people into our ecosystem because people are dropping out all the time. But then what's more important is to make sure that the greater part of our time is spent improving our craft, creating work that pushes us, that kind of helps us like grow because as people we grow all the time like we're not the same person we were when you were a teenager we're not the same person we were maybe two or three years ago and it's making sure that the work always represents our growth and our journey because there's a good chance that if your audience is a similar age to you or has gone through similar things in their life and they've followed this journey because it mimics theirs that they're ready for the next thing because they're on the journey with you i think that's very real and i but i do think it's you know that is a challenge i face as a as a right as a full-time creative figuring like scheduling in that that time the like the marketing the admin versus the like pure creative time and that's something i am definitely still you know i i think i'm in like my sixth or seventh year doing this full-time and that's something that i still I'm like, oh, wait, like you have to give yourself like a whole day to just sit around and think. And like, maybe you won't like do anything. Right. But but you give yourself time to like try to get those ideas out there versus just always doing the like, you know, planning social media posts or you do, you know, thinking in in that like business mind. I think it can be really hard to to like. split that up yeah i think like that's one thing that i feel like i do quite well is always make sure that every single week like i'm a photographer and i always make sure in every week or at least within every few weeks i've got shoots with people that i just want to shoot with that's just fun creative stuff that there's no money being exchanged and it's just for fun and i think making sure that i always book that into my schedule means that i can experiment and try new things because it's like you don't want to experiment when you've got like a paying customer because you don't want them to come away at the end and be like, mm, not really what I asked for. But if you can always make sure that you book in that certain amount of time, even if it's like two hours a week, like that can just help. And I think what is important to do as well when it comes to scheduling your time is make sure you book that in first, because mm-hmm. that's the easiest thing to kind of just go by the wayside because you'll be like, oh, shit, I've got all these other things to do. Whereas actually, if you say, okay, the most important thing this week is my creative development and I'm going to book myself in a three hour meeting with myself and my sketchbook or whatever to do that 
I think that's like that's what everyone should do before they think about okay how do I fit everything else in this is great advice I'm gonna I'm gonna take your advice (laughs) I need I need to I need to do that more for sure we're here every week yeah I think a, a struggle that I have like in relationship to all that is over the last it's really only been the last year or two that my personal work has become my commercial work like I'm I'm now getting paid to make this personal stuff where in the past there was much more of you know like I would just kind of do like you know illustrations for clients and then I would make Mm -hmm. my comics about my feelings for myself but it's kind of like with with my book now and and now I'm you know my my bank account is more related to like my personal work so I think that's where I struggle where I'm like, okay, I'm technically making personal work, but it's for a client. So there still are limitations yeah. to how free and how weird or like creative I want to let myself be because, and I, and I think that that's also what's hard where I don't know how to actually like push away the voice that's like, well, you know, there are, you know, a lot of potential clients are going to see this. Like, I don't, I don't know. And maybe this is just something I have to like work on with myself. But sometimes I do wonder, like, if I would, yeah, like get a lot weirder on social media with my personal work, if I wasn't like, okay, well, this art director follows me. And like, if I want this client again, like maybe I shouldn't get too dark. Right. Or like, so that is something that I think I do, I do struggle with. And maybe the answer is that like, I can, you know, make this work just like on my own and release it as this like separate project, but I don't necessarily, necessarily share it all on Instagram. But it's, I think that is something that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to like mess up my money by just doing yeah. like yeah, purely yeah. whatever I, I want. Uh, like there are, there are some limitations that I set on myself and I do. Yeah. Sometimes I, I do wonder like, uh, how strict I need to be with those, I guess. See with that, what I would do and what I do do is like, I think keep most stuff, the thing that's just out there. So everyone, so it's that kind of like Venn diagram cross section of kind of like stuff you love and stuff that's commercially viable. But then I think by putting out stuff that just you love, just like a little bit here and there that's going to make the people who follow you who really associate with you love you so much more because it's so much like it's rawer it's more like to the edge and I think that's where like I was so this is kind of seems like really off topic now um I was watching a Spice Girl documentary the other day and me too (laughs) okay um and in that they were talking about kind of like girl power and where that came from And like you see that as being like Spice Girls, the most mainstream, biggest girl band in the world. But that came from a punk scene. Like that was kind of like girl power was, I don't know what the band who originally started it was, but it was from a really grimy kind of like gritty, like extremist view of that. And then they just took it and they made it mainstream. But it's like, I think by being that kind of authentic, slightly on the edge of things, you're gonna like there's so much more love on the edge whereas I think like as soon as you're down the middle it's just like oh that's cool that's nice flick on whereas as soon as you if you want an actual connection to someone I feel like you can't 
be just middle of the road you kind of need to be on the fringes because i feel like that's where the more intense emotions come into it and you'll be surprised at at audiences kind of tolerance i think when we look at people like polly nor or alex gamsu jenkins that post like really gross stuff mm. that i that i would think like no one's gonna dig this and then they've got like millions of followers it's um it, it's we i think we we project too much of ourselves onto others and we go or oh, because i think this might be going a bit too far maybe other th- people will be thinking it's go- going too far but then when we see the people who really have gone way far yeah, and yeah. how how loved they are, it just that should give you just some confidence of like whatever I think is going to be pushing the boundaries. There's someone who's gone way beyond those boundaries and they're doing well. So just fuck it. Like, yeah, as long as we don't just pack it all in and, and start some weird new um, style that no one's co- that completely no one's ready for. I think that's it, isn't it? It's like your audience. So Grace, like your, your audience know your they know you intimately they know they know your work if you all of a sudden produce something that was not authentically you no matter how deep and dark it where it came from they would they would sense it and they would know and they wouldn't react to it whereas if it was from you but it was just like kind of further down this path they'll they'll know they know you and they'll be like okay this is cool maybe this i wasn't expecting it to go this far but like it's you so we dig that yeah. No, and the, exactly. I think all of this, all of these dilemmas come back to that, like, right, that internal, it's that internal judgment. Like, I'm the only one stopping myself from saying certain things or, or trying new things. And it's about just like, yeah, facing, facing the fear of that, of like, yeah, sure, maybe like some, you know, maybe you'll, you'll lose 200 followers, but so what like the the people exactly that have always seen you are gonna be like yeah so that's yeah that's something i definitely need to to keep in mind and i think as well sometimes like i've had it before i've put something out that's just really different and then i've got a job instantly off it whereas someone who's followed me for ages has been like oh my god like that's like Mm -hmm. so different but like exactly what i'm looking for right now so i feel like yeah never worried that people might not like it because there's like what if people love it like that's the thing it's like we have this idea of oh but what if they hate it but what if it's the best thing they've ever seen and they absolutely love it i think like that needs to be our thought process not oh, but what if they don't like it i literally wrote a whole book on this stuff and i'm like you need to listen to yourself <laughs> <laughs> listen thank you so much for um for coming on the show it's um i i i think that we we put so many artists on pedestals and I love how honest you are about everything. And I think it's really refreshing for people. I always try and do it too. And I know Adam does of, of like how this is like being a creative is, is the hardest thing, but it's the most rewarding thing. And we have a lot of people who pretend like they are rock stars and everything is all easy and a dream. And maybe it is for them, but that doesn't reflect my reality. So I just want to thank you for being like like really honest about how how much of a struggle it is, but um, but ultimately it is it is worth that struggle. Definitely, no, I I appreciate uh, having this conversation with you guys. It was great. Thank you so much. Could you let our listeners know where they can find you online? Yes. So my Instagram is artbabygirl. My website is gracemichelli.com. 
And yeah, my book, How to Deal, came out in May. You can get it wherever books are sold internationally. So that's a great way to support me if you want to do that. And the book is called How to Deal. Yes. Because we're all finding it bloody hard to deal. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Awesome. Great. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much.